Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball, kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta. Across from me, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, we got three big-name free agents off the board, and it's not even Thanksgiving. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, maybe players are just trying to get stuff done before there's a lockout. But yeah, potentially, free agency is actually going quickly, which I was not ready for. Uh, yeah, this is the quickest it's been in a very long time. Like, how often do you get free agent sign-in before the MVP gets announced? Almost uh, never. If they do, it's like a it's like a one year. It's like you know, Robbie Ray signing for like one years and eight million. Like, who really cares? What's he gonna do? Win the Cy Young? Yeah, yeah. It's. <laughs> It's it's just not gonna happen. It would have been funny if Robbie Ray signed again before awards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> takes out this, a takes out a major negotiation piece. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, I'll I'll leave it up to interpretation. I'm probably one or two. Um, and he ended up he ended up being one. Uh, so we previewed awards uh, a couple time a couple times in the past couple weeks. Um, where we did our picks, our predictions. We kind of talked about finalist snubs uh, last week. And finally, we see uh, the awards. Uh, well, three quarters three of, them, three yeah. quarters of the awards. Um, one award still very much in question uh, for tonight's sake. but uh, we well, d- One and not two. Yeah, not not two awards because the big question in the AL is, is he going to be unanimous? Yeah. Is Marcus Simeon going to get every first place vote? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm probably not. Exactly. Um, so, so yeah, the, uh, awards. So we'll, I guess we'll start chronologically. Um, something we all expected, uh, you know, Randy Rosarena gets, uh, the American League Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. He got what twenty first place votes, or yeah, something like that. Uh, I, get, yeah. I, th- I believe it was twenty first place votes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll go. Or I think BBWAA. Yeah, if you go to their Twitter account. Yeah, I don't know if they have a dot com or. Oh yeah, by the way, shout out to the BBWAA Twitter account. Most efficient. Twitter account absolutely in the history of the internet. Like as soon as those announced, those uh, results are announced, it's right there. And also, it's like before they like sometimes they have to do some promo stuff because it's like uh, they'll be like, all right, finalists are going to get announced this date, this date, this date. But before they talked about finalists being announced, their last tweet was February (laughs) from the from the last Hall of Fame election. We are, this morning we were publishing 311 Hall of Fame ballots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean they they only tweet the important stuff. Yeah, they're great. Like I wish there, you know, there are a lot of uh, Twitter accounts that could uh, that could learn from that. <laughs> um, Randy Rosarena he got 22 first place votes out of 30. Uh, Luis Garcia got two. Wander Franco got two. Adolis Garcia got three. Two of them being 
from Texas Writers. <laughs> and uh, Emmanuel Costa got one. Yeah, shout out to Bruce Levine uh, from Chicago, actually. Voted for a division rival as his Rookie of the Year. Yeah, for being the only person who got it right, just saying. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I mean, Randy Rosarena, like, he got 22 first place votes. I can't be mad at that. Like, he he deserved it. Yeah. Uh, I would have voted Class A. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's an edgy pick. It's definitely an edgy pick if he got fifth. Uh, but yeah. I'm happy for Randy. Yeah. I uh, I had him second, and he had two second place votes. So not many agreed with uh, my perspective either. Um, I think I think a lot of the reason why people feel sort of under underwhelmed with this rookie of the year class is because, like. Randy Arosa, Randy Arosa's peak wasn't this year when he won Rookie of the Year. <laughs> yeah, his his best part of his career, where he's won, where he just came off his rookie season, didn't come in that season. Yeah, <laughs> like like we kind of looked at him as being underwhelming this season because what we remember is he hit ten home runs in the playoffs, which nobody has ever done before. Yeah, he hit ten home runs in like what twenty two games. Yeah, something like that. He was on like. So it would be like a 65-70 home run pace. And not only that, but like all of his regular season metrics before that were very good with both the Cardinals and Rays. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he was. And um, he ended up – and yeah, he ended up having like, you know, he the only award he could have won was Rookie of the Year. Mm. You know, if this was his fourth season, he's not – he wouldn't be an all-star. He wouldn't be – you know, in sil- silver slugger consideration, he wasn't going to be in gold glove consideration. It was just like, oh, he had a very productive year. You know, 130 OPS plus, weight to runs created plus, did well on the bases with 20 stolen bases. But, you know, not nothing out of this world. It wasn't, you know, Aaron Judge in 2017 or Cody Bellinger in 2017 or even like Jordan in 2019. It was just a solid year. And I guess that's why we considered Emmanuel Classe so heavily was because Classe had an excellent year, even though it was you know a reliever season. It felt like Classe was the most dominant out of all of them. Absolutely, I think. Like everyone else, you know, Luis Garcia, very weird, like kind of similar to a Rosarena, where it's like he was just pretty good all year. Yeah, <laughs> and he happened to be a rookie. And he happened to be a rookie. Wander Franco, like electric, but pro- but just not enough of a sample size. Adolis Garcia had a great month, but then just there was kind of the league figured him out a little. You know, he would, there was a lot of flaws within his with his within his game. The strikeout to walk ratios, obviously, and yeah. just the the two eighty six OBP. And then Class A is kind of just like he didn't really do anything wrong all year. Right. He just happened to be a reliever. Yeah. He just happened to face a lot less batters than guys had played appearances. Um, but, you know, he was just – when he was facing those batters, uh, they were likely outs. And just – they were he was above and beyond. Um, but Arena wins it and uh, absolutely can't get mad at that. I, I, I had him as a yeah. – that's that was if you I, knew that was how, what they were gonna go with. Yeah, and also I, I'm praising Classe, but I still put yeah. Rosarena as what my selection would be. Um, and then something that was a little bit of a surprise, not because he won it, but because of how much he won it by, was uh, Jonathan India. Uh, we both said he was going to win it, um, not before the season, but before, but uh, after the mm. season's conclusion. We both said he was going to win it. Uh, we both said we both thought Trevor Rogers should win it if we had our own votes. Uh, but uh, India did win it, 
and he won it with 29 first place votes. That's shocking. Was surprising. Yeah. I'm know. not. I'm not upset about India winning. Like I think if Rogers pitched maybe 24, 20 more innings, then we're looking at a different story. But he didn't, and that's just the reality of the situation. Um, but yeah, I would have thought Rogers gets more than one first place vote. Yeah, yeah. It's it's odd because um, it's a it's another weird thing where you know India he had just a pretty good year it's mm-hmm. he had a similar season to rosarena and that it was just kind of a pretty good year and then uh rogers had a very good rookie year but in a smaller sample size the most unbelievable thing from this was the one guy from miami who voted for vladimir gutierrez with his third pick he had a 474 era like not necessarily great peripherals i mean his peripherals i think were better than his, you know, his actual um, statistics, but like, yeah, uh, no, no, his his peripherals were actually worse. He had a 5.22 FIP. I had a 101 ERA plus because he pitched in Cincinnati. Um, yeah, that's wild. Weird. Yeah, I was. I thought it was cool that one person. I think it was a Pittsburgh writer voted for David Bednar with his third I, pick. I just looked at that. Yeah, I, th- I I actually respect that. I think David Bednar is very very good. I think he's one of the best relievers in baseball that nobody talks about. Yeah, um, two two three ERA this year. Yes, but um, and that was like, and his peripherals are even better. I think because um, he went through one period of time where he was just getting bad up to death. Yeah, his uh his FIP was right along there at two six nine. I believe he had the best FIP in the majors over the last like three months of the season. Uh, potentially. Very I was much looking at it recently. Um, that would be interesting to look at. But yeah, he's a guy to look for out of the Pirates bullpen. Yeah, probably the funniest thing, um, about the NL Rookie of the Year voting is the one person who voted for Trevor Rogers was uh, Dan Simborski from Fangraphs, who was based in Cincinnati. Um, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> wait, oh, wait, say that again? The one, the one guy who voted for Rogers was a Cincinnati-based oh, writer. Oh, right, yeah, 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 I forgot about that. That was, uh, that was pretty funny to see. Yeah, it was a Fangraphs writer, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does, especially, like, because Rogers was a guy who had a better FIP than his ERA, so, mm-hmm. you know, that, and he had a higher F-war than... Uh, Jonathan India in in the year, which is yeah funny to point out that yeah he's a Fangraphs writer but also in, from Cincinnati, um, so yeah th- you know I think with both uh, yeah with both we kind of saw what we kind of expected, um, and that leads into Tuesday where in one award we got what we expected with uh, Gabe Kapler he got only twenty eight first place votes is how I should phrase it. <laughs> He only got how 28 stupid. first place yeah, votes. Yeah, how ridiculous is that? Mike Schilt with the first place vote. <laughs> and got, he's out of there. Yeah. You got, you know, if, if you say at the beginning of the year, Cardinals are getting 91 wins. It's like. It's like, oh, that's it. Cool. <laughs> they definitely lost in the first round of the playoffs, right? <laughs> oh, they didn't even win the division. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's. That's a tough look. I'm trying to see who who picked who. Both the Atlanta writers picked Kapler or uh, and uh, who – which of the St. Louis – yeah, both St. Louis writers picked Kapler. So that's pretty funny. Uh, Bunch of Col- outsiders. Colorado writer picked Council. 
and Cincinnati, Cincinnati writer. What is with Cincinnati writers this year? <laughs> he was from the Associated Press, so it's kind of a more of an old school thing. Mitch Stacy. Let's take a look at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> See what comes up. That's the guy who voted for Schilt? Yes. Yeah, makes sense. Mitch Stacy. Let's look at his Twitter profile. Um, it is private. That's unfortunate. He has less than a thousand followers. <laughs> That's very interesting. Journalist private on Twitter. <laughs> Oh my God! Wow, what is going on here? <laughs> um, and he's got. Uh, got to go back to the history of. X the funny thing is, like, if you're voting for Brian Snicker, which someone did, like, you could see how someone would make that case because it's like, oh yeah, like, he took a really injured Braves roster and he built them back up, and they were one of the best teams at the end of the regular season. Like, it's, it's still not the right case to make when you consider what Gabe Kapler did. <laughs> Um, but there is no reason, like Mike Schild, I guess you can make the same case. Like, oh, they were not supposed to make the playoffs and they won 17 games in a row. It's like, well, they shouldn't have had to win 17 (laughs) games in a row to make the playoffs in the first place. Have you thought about that? Yeah. If they, if they won 17 in a row, if, if you told me that the Cardinals were going to win 17 in a row in September, I'd be like, oh, are they going to get, are they going to get a 100 win season over here? Yeah. I would have been like, are they going to be the first team to clinch the division? (laughs) Yeah. But no, no. They actually, they didn't. They didn't even get close. <laughs> <laughs> the Brewers didn't even flinch that entire time. Yeah, no. Like they got they got swept in four games, and it didn't make a dent in uh, <laughs> in their progress. Let me look at yeah. Like for fan graphs, you can look at like the um, like the day by day like projections of like of like the the percent odds of winning the division. I bet it didn't change at all. Yeah, it it probably wasn't. I don't know where to find it off the top of my head. Probably didn't do do too much. Oh, standings. Okay, yeah. Uh, projected standings, playoff odds. Um, and then, yeah, as we pull that up, you know, we got the uh, keep going. American League Manager of the Year, which uh, the curse is broken. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Cashman's back to back. Unreal. I think he's the second manager ever to do that. Um, who else did it? I don't remember, but I saw a graphic where it was like he's the second manager to win manager of the year twice in a row. That's pretty wild. I feel like uh I feel like the guy who wins manager of the year never wins the World Series. If Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time? Like I I don't know. Uh it wasn't Joe Madden. No. Uh I'm thinking back 2015. I don't think it was Ned Yost. Yeah, no. It's always like these new up and coming teams that Yeah, that's a very that is a that, very valid point. That eventually like uh that was not Bruce Pochi in 2014. That would have been Mike Williams. John Farrell didn't win it in 2013. John Farrell did not win it. It was um, Terry Francona. Bruce Bo- did Bruce Pochi win it in 20 20- Oh, maybe it was Bruce Pochi that won it twice. Uh potentially. But Kevin Ka- is like uh we we both thought Alex Cora should win it and you know, we still believe that, but Kevin Cash you know, I know that they had the best record in the AL last year, but I, I'm not too mad at it still. I'm, I'm not too mad at his uh, his uh, winning the award again because, yeah. I mean, he lost his two best pitchers and then he lost the third best pitcher uh, halfway through the season. And they won 100 games. And uh, I don't know if anybody knew this. But they had the, the one of the lowest payrolls. They had one of the lowest payrolls. Crazy. And the, all the other teams in the AL East 
outside of like the Orioles because they're rebuilding have some of the highest payrolls. Yeah. It's it's like the craziest thing that no one's ever heard of. Um <laughs> yeah. It's turning into one of those. It no, it actually is though. <laughs> it's it sucks. Uh but I mean it It's also sucks because their owner just sucks. Yeah. It's like um, can we change that? Um Yeah, the uh Yeah, Kevin Cash ended up getting nineteen first place votes. Uh Scott Service got five, Dusty Baker got two, Charlie Montoyo got three, and Alex Cora got one. Um yeah, I I mean it I don't know. I I'd, I'd like to, you know, see what see what people were saying. Chris Cotillo had Cash Service Cora. That's the only one we're that familiar with. <laughs> uh only right. I mean, I know. I think I know a few. Yeah. Um let me look who do we got here. Uh Ian Brown had Cash Cora Service. Um John Palmarosi had Baker Cash Service. Brian McTaggart had Oh wow, Brian McTaggart left Baker off his ballot. That's that's crazy. Ken, shout out to Ken Davidoff of the New York Post, only guy to vote for Cora first place. And it's a New York guy. New York, New Post. York Post, nonetheless. Look at this. Uh, the world's coming together. I'm yeah. telling you. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I don't know what to say other than maybe I'm surprised, and I think I think we both agree that. If Cora hadn't been associated with the 2017 Astros, things look a lot different it, here. That probably is the difference maker, honestly. Because I, I don't know how else you have Cora in fifth place this year. Mm. Like, uh, that's just that's just the scenario. Yeah, it's it's quite odd, but, you know, it happened. Yeah, and, you know, obviously Kevin Cash did a great job once again. Scott Service did a great job. Um, and... You know, Alex Cora did a tremendous job, but didn't get the recognition, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for him. Um, but you know, manager of the year—it's so weird. It's so weird to analyze anyway. Um, that's why. That's why it's our least favorite award. Um, then, uh, last night, we get the announcement that Robbie Ray is the Cy Young is the Cy Young Award winner. I just realized John Paul Morosi got to vote on multiple awards. Ooh. Wow. He voted for AL Cy Young and uh, AL, I think, Manager of the Year. Yeah, because I just talked about him. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He voted for two. That's it. So did Brian McTaggart. What is this? Am I looking at the same list? Hang on a second. Am I am I going crazy or am I actually correct in saying that these two people got to vote on? Yep, they did. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. but uh, Maybe they're running out. I was going to say, how many is there, are they hiring at the BBWA de, AA Detroit chapter or the Houston chapter? Yeah, I mean, uh, you figure, so there's there's uh, 30, so there's eight awards being voted on. There's 30 writers for each award. That's 240 writers. But I guess, you need two from each city. But yeah, you need two from each city, so. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. Interesting. There's, <laughs> there's definitely uh, not a problem in Boston, I don't think. No. Yeah, we're going to have to... If we want to try something out, we got to go to like Arizona, see what's <laughs> popping. Um, Clearly, Houston and Detroit. Yes, yes. I mean, Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to Detroit. We'll get into that later. That's true. <laughs> um, Jason Beck from Detroit was the one person to not vote Robbie Ray as their Cy Young winner. Yeah, 
Um, you know, I don't hate. Yeah, I can't hate on Ray not being unanimous, but no, I don't. I can't either. And I mean, I love Robbie Ray, and I'm so happy for him. But I was not expecting a twenty-nine to one either. Yeah, yeah, I was expecting something more like twenty-five to five, maybe. Mm. But, uh, but he, he, he kind of he led the the important categories that aren't like super advanced. You know, he didn't lead an F four. It's very funny. Like we'll get into this, but like the discrepancies between how they evaluated AL and NL Cy Young is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is pretty hilarious. Because like you could use the same lot. Like if you voted for Corbin Burns, you could use the same logic to say Garrett Cole deserved it over Robbie Ray, and yeah. Corbin Burns and Robbie Ray won with the two different like logics. Yeah, very true. Um, yeah, very true. And Cole Cole was the guy with uh, less innings too, so it makes sense. Yeah, it is a it is a weird dynamic there. Yeah, it is. Um, because well, I mean, I I have a justification. But yeah, I well, Cole I guess technically did get unlucky, but I think I think the difference between you know Burns's ERA and FIP and the difference between Cole's ERA and FIP yeah. were so so well, greatly. We'll get yeah. into it because like this like this did spark a lot of conversation on Twitter about how we should start evaluating Sadie Young and if we need to move on or if we need to like run it back to where it used to be. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit, a little bit about Robbie Ray. This is a guy who was a perennial strikeout walk machine. Um, you know, one of the top strikeout pitchers over the last five years, but also the top walk pitcher. Yep. And in a, in a bad way, <laughs> in a bad way. And I mean, like all, you know, I've, I was started saying in last, this time last year, if he just cuts down the walks, we could, we could see an elite pitcher. Yeah. And this is where we are this time last year. Like he was signing that eight year deal. Mm hmm. Yeah. That eight-year deal, yeah. Or that that eight million dollar deal, yeah. Eight eight years, one million. <laughs> he's getting paid like around the average household income, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's getting like a beginner surgeon's <laughs> payroll, <laughs> or like the best player in 1962. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Robbie Ray. He got eight years, one million. Yeah, yeah. He's a millionaire. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be able to buy a lot of stocks. Um, but yeah, Robbie Ray. Uh, yeah, good, good. Like you can take the victory lap with that one. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I will go ahead and take that opportunity. Yeah. Um, it's very funny because. I was kind of just fascinated by how consistently of a true of a two true outcome guy Robbie Ray was, and when I started, I tuned into every start of his, probably pretty much this year. Really, I tuned into every Robbie Ray start this year, which of course turned into a Cy Young season. When I first started watching, I was like, "All right, give me the strikeouts and give me the walks. Let's see it." And I remember his first start. He had like his first two starts. He had nine walks. He had literally six walks in one of his starts against the Royals, and he gave up zero earned runs. Um, like he was just getting so bailed out, but he wasn't really striking people out. Like it took till his third start of the year to have a multi-strikeout inning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is weird. Like this is trending in the wrong direction. Like the walks are still there, but he has like his first start, five innings pitch, three walks, three strikeouts. His second start, five innings pitch, six walks, three strikeouts. Like the strikeout numbers just weren't there. Like you, you would expect them to be. And then his third start of the year, I remember it was in Tampa, six innings pitched, uh, no walks, nine strikeouts, and I was I was kind of shook. And I remember he went through um, a 
six start span where he had 49 strikeouts in one walk. Yeah. And I was like, this is unreal. Mm-hmm. Like, this is beyond anything I could have ever expected. You know, when I said cut the walk numbers, I was not referring to one walk over a six-start span. Right. Um, with 49 strikeouts, nonetheless. Uh, just an incredible an incredible job from Ray. And, I mean, it's not like – it's it's easy to say the Blue Jays came in, came in and changed something, but, like, his walk numbers were bad when he was in Toronto last year. I get it was a much different environment. It was a much smaller sample size. It was 2020. Like, it was a very weird concept, but – he made some sort of change this year. He had an uptick in fastball velocity. He got a lot of strikeouts, particularly on that fastball. I think he became like the. I think he got like his 1500th career strikeout this year. Um, no, he didn't. 12. He's he, got. He became the fastest. No, he got. Yeah, to... he had like the mo- He has the most strikeouts in a pitcher's first 1,000 innings. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's all. He also became the active leader, or the all-time leader in strikeouts per nine with 11.2. Yeah, that's that's a fun. Which like, is so cool. It's a fun. Um, kind of a carousel that goes on there. Sports I, Info Solutions had a tweet yesterday where it was like, trivia, which active pitcher is the all-time leader in strikeouts per nine? Hint, he's a Cy Young finalist. And I think someone was said Corbin Burns. And I was like, nope, <laughs> it is Robert Glenn Ray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Corbin Burns in his like 300 career innings. <laughs> um, yep. But yeah, congratulations, Robbie Ray. He uh, and I'm happy. He's going to be... Probably rewarded handsomely in the off season. Yeah, I mean he's he's going into his age thirty season. This was his first. Yeah, I think he'll get like, I'd say max of five years. I don't think he's getting anything more than that. But regardless, he's getting some good AAV out of it. I'm sure from whoever wants to pay him. Yeah, and uh, for the second year in a row, we have a Cy Young winner going into free agency. So that is true. That is very interesting. But this time it's over a full se- full body a uh, full season of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Robbie Ray, he's a Cy Young winner as everyone predicted before the year started. That's right. Um, uh, uh, so now we get into uh, National League Cy Young, which was you know it was a it was a big con conversation. It was like a big uh, kind of a big moment in like kind of the baseball statistic player evaluation sabermetric world. Um, because it's like you got this guy who, you know, this guy, this guy, Corbin Burns, you know, he, he wins the ERA title. He's got a one six three FIP out. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I'll just explain. I was very much on the Corbin Burns Cy Young trade train, and I get that. Well, first of all, like, there's this notion that, like, you shouldn't use FIP because it, because like, ERA is what happens on the field. FIP happens on the field too. Yeah, that's like true. FIP, like FIP is exclusively metrics that happen on the field. Yeah. So, and I think FIP is kind of used for a dominance factor. Like I don't like I think there is a difference between like who had the best year and who had the best FIP, because you know it takes out it FIP tries to take out luck. Yeah. Uh, and luck is just going to be a part of the game. Corbin Burns obviously didn't have the best of it at most times. Yeah. However, so like. I am I'm willing to stand by the argument that FIP shouldn't be a component of, or FIP shouldn't be a main component of determining a Cy Young. Yeah. But when you have a situation where Corbin Burns just had the second best single season FIP over the last century, I can't ignore that. I don't care if Zach Wheeler got 139 more outs. Yeah, that like, is true. I, I, that, like that's I can't ignore that. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, this was kind of the internal debate I had in my head when I was thinking about like what would I do with the vote uh, as we were coming into this uh, into this podcast um, a, a couple weeks ago when we were selecting, mm-hmm. and you know it's the it's the it's the uh, it's the conversation of dominance in shorter amount of innings over you know less dominance, still some dominance, but less dominance over a longer workload. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, what I, I think the – so one Jeff Passan tweet – Jeff Passan was kind of highly on the Wheeler train, especially after the announcement was made. Mm-hmm. Um, he said uh, Wheeler had a 12% worse ERA while having 27% more innings pitched. And the logic I used to have Burns win um, in my head was uh, Burns's expected ERA was third or Wheeler's expected ERA was 38% worse than Burns' uh, expected ERA, and Wheeler had 27% more innings, as as he mentioned before. So, and a lot, a lot of the times I don't really factor peripherals as much, kind of the thing with the Robbie Ray Garrett Cole situation, because uh, I don't think there was anything that was kind of outlandish. Yeah. But with Burns, I saw his bab up with runners in scoring position, 419. That's just not replicable. That's yeah. just something that that's an anomaly. Uh, also, you know, his infield defense, the Brewers infield was second worst in outs above average. So, and Corbin Burns, when he wasn't striking guys out, which was a lot of the time, uh, but when guys were making contact, it was above 50% ground ball rate. And he had a defense that was second worst in outs above average. So it's like, now I have to factor the luck. Yeah. Because also I think Burns was fifteenth um, unluckiest in like uh, woba x woba difference um, out of over a hundred qualifiers, and he was still able to win the ERA title, which is unbelievable. So that's kind of the, the, that's kind of the uh, statistical angle I took. I, I just couldn't ignore the the lack of luck there. Sometimes I do, but in this case, I, I really couldn't. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I did not. I was not aware of the BABIP with runners in scoring position, but that's crazy. Yeah, like, and you know, you look at the data. It's hard to it's hard to have a 419 BABIP against where they're all just hard hit line drives. That's not going to be happening. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're talking about like you mentioned the second worst infield defense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, I I, I do respect the idea that that peripherals shouldn't be just like shouldn't be. Uh, factored into Cy Young voting because it's what happened on the field. You know, it's who had the best year on the field. Um, but like I mentioned, FIP is what happened on the field. Corbin Burns had the second best FIP. And, you know, I said FIP is a domination factor. Corbin Burns had the second most dominating season in the last century by yeah. by FIP. That, yeah, that is uh, that is true. Like on that, in that specific instance, like I can't ignore that. Yeah, and, and like, you know, we we talk about B War F War. We weren't voting it. We weren't ha- we weren't considering Nathan Eovaldi at all. And guess mm-hmm. who led the American League in F War? It was Nathan Eovaldi. Absolutely. <laughs> but we weren't going to consider him because, like, you know, when we looked at Statcast data and also just, you know, using a little bit of baseball common sense, it's like, you know, Eovaldi had a great year. Probably got a little unlucky, but he wasn't the best pitcher in the American League. Yeah. Clearly. Um, so, you know, there's there's points. There's you got to know when to uh, rely on the peripherals and when not to. And 
I think American League, National League, Cy Young kind of showed us where and yeah, where, where the dis- where we draw the line. Yeah, and we draw the line at picking Garrett Cole there because yes, Garrett Cole had all better peripherals. Like the only thing that Robbie Wright did better was pitch more innings and give up less runs. Like Garrett Cole struck out more batters, he walked less batters, like he did everything else better. Um, but it just wasn't that egregious. Yeah, and I think that's where I think it's just like that's where you, where you draw the line. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, this <laughs> is, I was just reminded the, the Cy Young peripheral thing we talked about last year, and that's what led to, uh, one of the intro quotes was <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> yep. so that happened about a year ago. Um, yeah, the, uh, Christy Mathewson thing. Mm. So, uh, I mean, we've already analyzed MVP and we don't know the results yet. So we'll just kind of talk about that briefly next week. Probably more, probably more about the National League MVP. Um, because we know what the American League MVP is going to be. Yes, we do. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, National League MVP, that could be a 15-15 split uh, yeah. potentially. Uh, there's potential for it, but, you know, no guarantees. So those were the awards. Um, and uh, as, as we mentioned, normally in award season, there's not a lot of free agent stuff going on. But that was not the case in uh, – in this uh, in this here week that we just had, yeah, what a week it was! Absolutely, I mean, I guess it starts with uh, Friday morning. Friday morning, uh, yeah, I mean, there were two big deals to happen that day. Um, first was uh, someone who I've talked about very many times in the past, uh, just just this season, Eduardo Rodriguez. Yep, um, getting a uh, getting a solid. A solid, uh, lengthy deal. I mean, not you know, not Garrett Cole lengthy, but five years, seventy-seven million dollars, an average annual value of fifteen point four million dollars after a year in which he had a four-seven-four ERA, but also a three-three-two FIP and a three-five-five expected ERA. Um, we've been over the, yeah. we've been over all that. Um, it's been very funny seeing some of the reaction from people in Detroit who aren't aware of that discrepancy. It's like, you just signed five years, $77 million for this guy. He has a five ERA. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, where do we want to start with this? Um, I mean, I'm happy he got paid, and I think he deserves it. This is a guy who's gone through so much in the last couple of years, but it's also someone who's just very good. Um, I mean, if you look at, like, 2019 to 2021, um, I know that the ERA obviously isn't there, but – um, yeah, you know, to, like we mentioned, he's a he's a ground ball pitcher who is pitching to the worst infield defense in the league. Yeah, to give it a Red Sox fan perspective, uh, in my what would it be six years of watching Erod, I never saw that Erod was the probable starter and went, ah, oh, crap. Yeah, I never did that. Yeah, I, there was I always not thought a single time he's gonna go out there. He's gonna he's gonna you know he's gonna give some quality innings. Probably mm-hmm. is what he's probably gonna do. Uh. Yeah, so there have been uh, 63 pitchers to pitch 300 innings between 2019 and 20, 21, excuse me. Uh, Erod's 363 FIP over that time is the 20th best. Yeah. Uh, so this top is third. Yeah, I mean, like this is a good, you know, I mean, we've had discussions over whether he's an ace or not. I think he absolutely can be, in better circumstances. You know, much better a pitcher-friendly ballpark, a much better infield defense behind him. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some career years out of him in Detroit. Yeah, um, you know, with a with a guy his age going into his age twenty nine season, there's a very reason. There's a big reason to believe we haven't seen the best of Eduardo Rodriguez yet. Mm-hmm. Um, turn that up. Um, uh, yeah, there's a very big reason we potentially haven't seen the best of Eduardo Rodriguez yet. Um, you know, I think a lot of it depends somewhat on the defense behind him. Um, we we talked about we talked about off air like the Tigers infield defense isn't the greatest, although you know anything's an upgrade, obviously. Mm. Um, I think also uh, what I was thinking from a Red Sox perspective here, because the Red Sox were in talks with Eduardo Rodriguez as well. This was kind of a, weir- a weirdly uh, quick, uh, quick process. They offered him qualifying offer. Obviously, Erod doesn't take it. Uh, and then they were talking about a, uh, a multi-year deal with him. Which it wasn't necessarily discussed what they meant by multi-year. It could have been two years. It could have been ten years. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, I, I'm you know, obviously he rejects that, goes to the Tigers. And, you know, there's probably, you know, Red Sox fans are thinking, you know, we got beat out by the Tigers. You know, maybe it's a thing where you kind of have to go your separate ways from <laughs> – Eduardo Rodriguez, you can't like invest that much in a ground ball pitcher when, you know, your infield is going to, at least the left side of that infield is going to stay the same. Well, oh, in Boston, yeah, definitely. In, in Boston, yeah, not in Detroit, but in well, Boston. Well, Detroit, I mean, there's, there's always potential. There's potential for a huge upgrade. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, the left side of the infield in, in Boston is, you know, you're going to have Bogart's Endeavors, who are two phenomenal hitters but are not going to uh, get you the extra outs that um, some other shortstops and third basemen are going to get you. And that's, that's a fine, that's a fine team um, process to go about, you know, they bring the offense, so they don't necessarily have to have the same defense. And I don't think the Red Sox are going to be super active in the shortstop market. Like no, some might. Well, like, I mean, there's been reports that they're interested in Baez. Yeah. But like, I was just being interested. I don't know how, how much that will actually correlate to actually doing it. Just to give an idea on how egregious this is, among those 63 pitchers I mentioned earlier, Erod's BABIP since 2019 is 337. The second worst is 317. <laughs> it's, it's like, he's far and away the unluckiest pitcher. It's unreal. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, so he did, he wasn't even getting lucky in 2019 at all. No. Uh, yeah, pretty wild. To and he still almost about. won 20 games. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a thing where, yeah, maybe it's just like Erod with the Red Sox, maybe not, it's probably not going to be a fit because you're going to invest more in Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers than you are Eduardo Rodriguez. And that's just, that's just baseball. That's just roster building. So maybe they'll go after some fly ball pitchers in the, uh, in the off season to potentially replace Rodriguez and give a better situation to themselves. Um, any other thoughts on uh, Eduardo Rodriguez? I think that's kind of it. I mean, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of role he plays in a rotation full of younger arms. You know, he's kind of going to be the veteran presence in that rotation now. Yeah, because yeah, there was the discussions about, hey, maybe the Tigers bring back Verlander. That's not happening. Yeah. Um. You know, you got Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning. Mm-hmm. Erod might be the guy that they're all looking up to now. Yeah, very much potentially. That's a guy who is registered 856 and two-thirds career innings in the bigs. 
um, and uh, has pitched in the postseason as well. The World Series. World Series. Um, and he's built a, uh, a decent resume. It's, it's pretty crazy that uh, 850 innings into a career, he's got like a .3 difference, a 33-point difference in ERA and FIP. Right, three eight three FIP, uh, four one six ERA. That's pretty wild. Um, you don't usually see see things like that, but uh, yeah, exactly. Could bring a veteran presence there. This uh, contract is going to take him through his age thirty three season. So uh, you know, if he does well, he potentially has another good payday after that in the in the somewhat far future. Absolutely. So that was a long term deal that occurred. Uh, that was signed uh, with uh, Eduardo Rodriguez in Detroit. We had a sh- short-term deal, like within a- within an hour, signed. That was a pretty major one, at least financially. Noah Syndergaard, absolutely. One year, twenty-one million dollars to the Los Angeles Angels. The Angels are just the kings of one-year experiments. This might be like it's very weird to say that a one-year deal is high risk. This could be the biggest one. Yeah, that's true. Like twenty one mil a year for a guy coming off a of Tommy John surgery. I'm not saying I dislike it for the Angels. I think it's a good move and I think that's what they needed to do for so long to be a better team. You know, we've been saying for so long they need to get pitching, they need to get pitching. So it'd be wrong to be like, why'd they get this guy who's a pitcher who's good? Um but they are really rolling the dice here. Yes. <laughs> they are indeed. Um yeah, cause Syndergaard, he's been out for Two years with elbow problems, yep. and uh, and yeah, I mean he's had he's had his good years. He's had his times where he's he's never had bad years. He's just had years where he's not healthy, um, and that's really the the issue you you'll run into with Noah Syndergaard. Um, so yeah, it is high risk to sign a guy for twenty one million dollars with with that you know with those injury problems, but. I mean, I don't know. It's, this is an, it's an exciting time, though. You know, like, you're going to have Noah Syndergaard and Shohei Otani, hopefully in the same rotation. Yeah. Um, to go along with the other superstars uh, on you're that ba- team. You're basically adding Mike Trout this year. He w- yeah. He was only there for a little over a month last year. Yeah, and you're basically adding Anthony Rendon as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if, if it provides uh, the most positive upside for – uh, for the Angels, you know, Noah Syndergaard's best year, he had uh, five wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. So, you know, you're kind of adding five wins. Yeah, you absolutely p- are. Potentially there. But uh, it could just end up being, um, could end up being a waste. But you can't think, you know, you got to think positive things. But yeah, I mean, uh, this is like, this is what we've wanted the Angels to do. So I'm not going to knock them for doing it. Because I would love to see, I want to see this work out. Yeah, and it's not, it's not even a thing where it's like this is gonna ever be dead money mm-hmm. beyond twenty twenty two. This is this is a stat. Um, it's not not that it completely applies here. I guess it applies here. Why not? Uh, so in four out of Noah Syndergaard's first five big league seasons, he he logged one hundred fifty innings. He had. Less than two and a half walks per nine, and he had nine plus strikeouts per nine. He is the only pitcher in baseball history to have at least four of such seasons in their first five big league seasons. That's unbelievable, and that's that's not the drop. But we'll get we'll get the drop. We'll have the drop plenty out later in the episode. Yeah, that's right. How about 
Yeah, so just once again, Noah Syndergaard, in four of his first five big league seasons, 150-plus innings pitched, 9-plus strikeouts per nine, 2.5 or less walks per nine. No other pitcher has done that in more than three of their first five seasons. He's done it in four. Yeah. Uh, that's a cool stat. And that's and that goes back to that's 2015 through 2019. So I know we're three years removed from 2019 at this point, but that was his last full season. So, you know, he's proven to continue being successful. Um, and he also got very unlucky that season. My God, 4.28 ERA, 3.6 FIP in the 197 and two-thirds innings pitched. Yeah, he's been a FIPster his uh, whole career, I'm just realizing now. 293 career FIP. Um, that's why, like, he led the league in FIP in 2016. Yeah, 229. Eighth in the Cy Young. So I'm wondering voting. what his wins above replacement on Fangraphs is on compared Fangraphs to Baseball Reference. Yeah. In 2016, yeah, he had six wins above replacement in 2016 compared to five on Reference. But yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know what the fielding issues in New York were. I don't know where exactly they lied or laid, but. Maybe that's something that's not I mean, going to be as much of a thing. Especially if you have Anthony Rendon playing third. That's that's usually yeah. ideal. Yeah. The, it's, I'm, I'm at a loss for words with the Noah Syndergaard thing because it's so unpredictable what will happen. It really is. I mean, I think just one of the big takeaways from a league perspective is that it set the table for uh, the other free agent pitcher signing that happened later. Yes. I, you know, I don't want to make Noah Syndergaard signing about that because – this is obviously a very significant move for both him and the franchise. I think a lot of people just assumed he was going to take the qualifying offer from the Mets. And he got three three million more from the Angels, and good for them. Yeah, good for did. both of them. And, you know, maybe maybe being out of New York is going to help his health a little bit. I don't know. They do seem to have a, a bad stigma over there. Maybe it's not a... I mean, he's going to the Angels. Yeah, he's going to the Angels. That's That's like the one place that's maybe worse with history of players health um well like especially on a pitcher especially pitchers oh in terms of like well maybe not arm health no no no. i'm not even talking about that yeah like just in general like pitchers go over there and it's not uncommon for most of them to get hurt like i mean look at like 2018 yeah i think uh well yeah otani got hurt Otani's been hurt several times, but he had injury issue, issues before coming to Anaheim. So, I mean, you could also chalk it up to that. But, I mean, like, um, there have been, like, Andrew Heaney was hurt for a while. Bundy probably got hurt this year. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Or got, quote-unquote, got hurt. Yeah. Just, you know, was bad, and they sent him to the IL. Um, like, uh, Nick Tropiano was pre- was supposed to be good. He was always hurt. Um, like, there have been – I can't think of names off the top of my head, but there have just been several – instances throughout the years where angels pitchers have just not been able to stay on the field um yeah parker yeah. bridwell had a good season once he got hurt um matt shoemaker got hurt for them i believe ah yeah <laughs> matt shoemaker yeah um he was pretty good for a few years there yeah yeah and uh i just remember when we predicted our our next no hitters after I think it was like the, <laughs> the sixth one. I don't want to talk about it. He had an 806 ERA this year. Well, you know, I, mine didn't get a no hitter either. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess the th- the thing to take away from the Noah Syndergaard signing is, you know, everything's up to interpretation. We have no yeah. idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, something 
uh, as you know, as you mentioned, a similar deal was signed, uh, except, you know, this one was probably limited to one year because of age and not particularly like mm-hmm. concern of the guy's arm and performance. Well, that could have been a part of it too. Could have been a part of it. Yeah. Um, but he is going into his age 38 season, right? Something like, I think it was 39, uh, but I, I could be wrong. Me, yeah. Something. Uh, but Justin Verlander, uh, he's going to, oh yeah, yeah. No, he's going to his age 39 season. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, a guy who, uh, yeah, Justin Verlander who got Tommy John surgery uh, late in 2020. And, uh, you know, you obviously know his resume. If he retired today would, would be a, a hall of famer. And in his last full season, he won Cy Young and, uh, you know, definitely had a deserving year for sure. And, uh, and yeah, Justin Verlander briefly on the free agent market, but was signed back to the Houston Astros for one year, $25 million with a player option, uh, to go with that. So, I mean, what, what were our thoughts here? Um, I was certainly, I mean, I think the coolest thing about it is that his brother was the first to report it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that was good. It is very funny, like seeing. Like, normally, when I see a a source that isn't Passin or, or Heyman or the usual people or like Rosenthal, I usually like wait for another source. So I, you know, nat- the natural reaction is seeing Ben Verlander like with a scoop. And honestly, my natural reaction was like, okay, hold on a second. Then I was like, oh wait a minute, <laughs> I, I, I he probably knows Justin Verlander. Yeah, <laughs> I think he would know when he signs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It was. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of, a. I think, I think there's a growing trend of like trying to beat the big guys mm-hmm. and things. I know, um, I know the biggest freed and pitcher from last off season was trying to beat the writers with, you know, breaking his own news didn't work out. Um, but yeah, they still beat him too. Well, I mean, <laughs> he literally, well, he told the Mets he wasn't signing, uh, he, he wasn't signing with them and then probably a source within the Mets and it probably like he probably put the video into YouTube and then it was like you know had, it was it's like a three minute upload process yeah <laughs> uh, um well I mean to be fair like he also it was also reported he was going to the Mets that's true <laughs> that was funny that was that was we all had a good laugh there yes uh classic moment did you see um when Eduardo Rodriguez signed, Bob Nightingale put out a tweet that said Eduardo Perez has signed with the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you sent it to me. Yeah, and I was like, he's out of out of the ESPN booth, back onto the field. Yeah, <laughs> out of the out of the Statcast uh, Statcast booth. <laughs> um, yeah, that was for, that was pretty funny. But Justin Verlander uh, gets twenty five million dollars. Um, I guess maybe got more because Noah Syndergaard signed for $21 million. Yep. Uh, there's potential there that that was the scenario, but that's what I think. Like, cause my immediate thought when Noah Syndergaard got 21 mil was what's Verlander going to get now? Because I mean, like, I feel like you can kind of throw out the age factor when it's a one year deal. You know, it's, it all comes down to who the better pitcher is. Uh, and they're both coming off of Tommy John. So my initial thought was, okay, well, Verlander is objectively better than Syndergaard. They're both coming off of surgeries. Realistically, he's getting the same type of deal. How much more is the average annual value? Right, right. And it was $4 million more. 
And then to go to a team's perspective, I think this was a great move by the Houston Astros. This was, uh, I mean, like, if you look at their rotation going into next year, it's hard not to feel good about it. Like, you have Verlander, you have Framber Valdez, you have Lance McCullers Jr., Jose Arcadi, Luis Garcia. Yeah. That's a really good rotation. Very good. Very, very good. Um, and, yeah, like, there's probably some guys that were starting games this year that you can't have starting games next year. Uh yeah, it was a, it's a great move. It brings some experience back into the rotation. Look at that. A-Rod was right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Verlander is replacing Zach Greinke. I feel like it's kind of the same experience. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. We can't we can't bring back Greinke. We need to recreate him. Yes. How about, <laughs> how about Justin How about Verlander? way more strikeouts? <laughs> yeah. Way more uh, fastball velocity. And one year older. Yeah, one year older. So, yeah, that was uh, – I appreciated that deal from an Astros perspective. I think it puts them in a good spot to repeat as AL West champions or at least puts them in that direction. It does. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, whoever was going to get Justin Verlander, I think – I don't think he's going to fall off post-injury. I think he's going to have – you know, I don't think he'll have a Cy Young year, but I think he'll have some solid – he has some solid seasons left in him. I think like the like the seasons we're seeing from Clayton Kershaw right now is what we're going to start seeing from Justin Verlander here. Yeah, potentially. Like, he could be a solid, like, two or three starter, mm-hmm. and maybe even an ace. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I think McCullers is a guy that can kind of take on that ace role right now. Right, right. I think, it'll, I think it, for me, it depends a lot on... Uh, what Verlander's velocity is, is at post-surgery. That's what you're going to – yeah, that's something you got to look at, especially because, like, really you're probably only going to start seeing it during the season. Like, do you really think he's going full out in spring training this year? I don't think so. Yeah, no. Like, he's been through this before. It's now He's not trying to win a spot in the rotation. Like, you know he's going to be there if he's healthy. He's just trying to stay healthy, maybe, you know, just work on facing hitters again for the first time in two years. Right. Right. Really, really since 2019, actually. Yeah. Because he, he, what did he pitch, two innings in 2020? I think six. Six, yeah. He had one start. He had one good start, and then he, yeah, okay, you're right. Um, But, yeah, and then it was, after that, gone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, six innings, no run, or no, excuse me, two runs. Two runs. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think the thing that separates in my head someone like Verlander from someone like Kershaw is, uh, the ability to strike guys out because uh, they kind of have the same control and probably the same ability to avoid hard contact. But Verlander has the advantage in strikeouts, and that's pro- that has a lot to do with his ability to throw the ball hard and have velocity. But if that's going away, then, yeah, I see a similar um, yeah. similar route that uh, Clayton Kershaw has kind of taken. Um, so, yeah, good move by the Astros there. You know, they're – a team that's willing to spend. They showed it again. And uh, now they have their kind of ace back. Kind of ace. Kind of ace back. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess before all that was uh, the last deal we'll get into, which was, uh, you know, a younger man going into his age 28 season, I think, uh, or age – He's 28 or 27 season. He came up pretty young. He did. Came uh, up very young. Jose Barrios. Yeah. Jose Barrios going into his age 28 season. 
signed a seven-year, $131 million deal with the Blue Jays. Um, they, You know, Blue Jays did what they had to do. Yeah. We, we actually talked about it back in July, how, like, they cannot – they definitely lose this trade if they don't extend Jose Barrios. They and, wasted no time. Yeah, they did not. I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, because this would be a deal where you would expect it to be signed in, in March, like when everyone's in person, but mm-hmm. I guess not. And, uh, yeah, very good on the Blue Jays there. Yeah, I mean, seven years and 131 mil for a guy who you traded premium prospects to get. I mean, like, Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson, that's a heavy price to pay for, for that guy. Um, and like Chris just mentioned and like we mentioned in July, it like the only real way to justify trading those kinds of players to get him is if he's not just around for a year and a half. Exactly. And he's going to be around for seven and a half years. Maybe eight and a half. Probably eight and a half because I'm assuming the deal doesn't count this year. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the details are, but yeah. Uh, baseball Reference on his uh, main page still <laughs> has him as a free agent after 2022. Um, <laughs> that's true. So that's uh, can't go there for that. But I guess if you went to other, if we went to other entities, um. So, yeah, seven years, $131 million. It makes me wonder, like, uh, so I guess maybe they're a little unsure. I don't know if they sign. With Robbie Ray, I assume he's going back to Toronto, but this kind of alters the chances a little bit. But they they should sign both. I think they have the financial flexibility for that. Oh, they absolutely do, especially coming off the year they had this year. Like, Cy Young winner, second and third in the MVP, and you miss the playoffs. Like, that's kind of inexcusable even if they were in a really good division um they need to do everything they can this year to make sure that they don't have a repeat of that and signing jose barrios is a very good start like you don't have to worry about i know that doesn't really change what the team would have looked like as he was going to be there next year no matter what but you know you get him in a more settled role where he knows what the rest of his career looks like um and you can put and you can also put focus very early into signing robbie ray and maybe even marcus simeon as well yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. Now you have like a guy who, you know, is going to be in the rotation for a while. Um, maybe it's a thing where, you know, they already had Jose. Like they were already the only team that could negotiate with uh, Jose Barrios. Otherwise, obviously, it's tampering, um, and you know, can't do that. That's illegal. But you know, with Robbie Ray, he can negotiate with anybody, and he's probably out on the open market. He's probably going to be a little bit of a slower process than Barrios would be. Um, so they figured, let's get Barrios out of the way now and probably see where we're at with Robbie Ray uh, as we continue down the line in the offseason. Um, yeah, the, the simi- yeah I'm, I'm just wondering, like, are they going to sign three big contracts with, with Barrios, Ray, and, and Simeon. Simeon, and then maybe potentially like even another free agent? I don't know. I mean, they were pretty ambitious last off season, like like not to that degree financially, but I mean, they were like, let's not forget, they also tried to sign Michael Brantley. Yeah, they did. Like they don't seem afraid to spend the money, so I think it is very plausible that they could do that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, teams in the AL East, they like to spend a lot of money outside of the Rays and the Orioles, who are obviously <laughs> rebuilding. Um, <laughs> they have been for four and a half years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is a good point you bring up. The Blue Jays have been very ambitious. They signed George Springer last year. That was a, I, I mean, it's 
been a great move. It's just, you know, he's got to be healthy, but that's probably going to be... I wonder, that, I wonder if that's maybe a... a I can't talk. I wonder if that's something that they use to try to justify possibly not signing Simeon because they only got Springer for you know half the year last year, and he was obviously very good. But it, you know, what if their strategy is, oh, well, like, yeah, we brought back Ray, we extended Brios, we didn't get Simeon back, but we get a full season of George Springer this year. Like, that's basically the same thing. Yeah, potentially. And, and I could see that as, like, a potential, um, like, coping mechanism, I guess, for the organization. Yeah, um... Potentially, and also there's the factor of uh, Kevin Biggio was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was off and kind of injured the entire year last year. So it's like, all right, we're kind of adding him also. Yeah, it's like, well, and we can, can put... He can know, play second base too. We'll be like, well, we had Santiago Espinal, who had a very <laughs> underrated season. We throw him at second. You got Biggio at third. Uh, or you got Bichette at short. Yeah, like, yeah, it's that's their infield. Right. And then we got those two pitchers. <laughs> Along with, you know, Alec Manoa, Hunjin Ryu, yeah. Ross Stripling. <laughs> yes, definitely not Ross Stripling. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, you could probably still maybe make the case that you could justify not re-signing Simeon for that reason. Yeah. I certainly think it helps to have Simeon. I think they are a better team with him. I mean, the guy who's finished top three in the Cy Young in each of the last two full seasons, or MVP in each of the last two full seasons. That's true. Something that should be considered. Yeah, it is. Uh, that is true there. Um, it's something that should be considered. I guess maybe, I, I don't know, maybe they would look at the StatCast data and look at, like, you know, Woba ex Woba difference. I think he benefited from being in those weird parks a little bit too. So maybe that's something they fig- they kind of consider and potentially not signing him. He's had an odd career. Yeah, <laughs> that's for certain. He's uh, been up and down for sure. So yeah, that's that's correct. So yeah, I mean, but also I guess from their perspective, maybe Robbie Ray isn't guaranteed to have continued success either. Although. I would, from my personal point, just as a fan, I would think Robbie Ray is more destined for sustained success than uh, Marcus Simeon is. But that's just one one guy's opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. And also, like, it's not like the offense. I mean, the offense, yes, it does take a major hit if Simeon leaves. Yes. It's not like you still don't have one of the best offenses yeah. in baseball without him. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, the, you know, you, if you just go down – Go down the line with Vlad Jr., George Springer, Bo Bichette. Uh, Kevin Biggio, Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, Teoscar Hernandez. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. L- Lourdes Gurriel Jr. who turned it around at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Still, Even Danny Jansen who turned it around at the end of the season as well. Yeah, as opposed to if you let Ray go, you know, you got Barrios who's good but maybe not a number one. You got Hyunjin Ryu who's, you know, in his mid-30s. Uh, and then, you know, Manoa, it's not, you know, your, your offense is in better shape without Simeon than your rotation is without, without Ray. Um, so you also don't have to worry about Brad hand next year <laughs> who, uh, he made probably the funniest, or the craziest thing. He pitched eight and two thirds innings for the blue Jays had a negative 0.6 B war. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. He was I mean, like, they traded Riley Adams to get him. He was a how about that, and Brad Hand was not good. That's unbelievable. He was really not good. He had a 63 ERA plus with a 7.55 FIP. 
755 FIP. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, 3.1 home runs per nine, which, you know, it's 8.2 thirds innings, but still. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jose Barrios, seven years, $131 million deal. Absolutely. The Blue Jays were in action. Uh, action-packed week of uh, baseball news, surprising at this time of year. Not, I was not ready for it. Yeah, um, no. But I will, I will happily take it, for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, now we're getting into... We're we're gonna probably do this most weeks, probably every week. Ideally every week. Ideally every week. Random how about that's mine aren't random. Mine are awards based, but they're gonna be completely random after this. Mine is extremely random. It has nothing to do with I'm anything. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, so, you know, f- for those, for, I guess you know, to provide reference, a how about that is you know, one of these you know multiple filter stats. You know, Rogers Hornsby only season with. 400 with a 400 plus average and 40 plus home runs that's a how about that and uh the reason we call it a how about that you can refer to show to be named later episode 44 uh part one the sandy koufax episode it's around the middle of the episode where we explain that because it's just a funny thing on a scoreboard that was put up in dodger stadium in 1963 or 65 i forget which one but uh that was after one of his no hitters yeah it was uh it was some. It was. I think he. It was his twenty-second time that season recording ten strikeouts, and it said it said that on the scoreboard, and then dot dot dot. How about that? Yeah. And uh, I found that funny, so we just decided to make it a thing. So that's that's kind of the debrief on that. If you want more information there, show to be named later, number forty-four. Uh, it's still the podcast, but it's under a different name. Uh, so. So now we're doing random ones throughout the off season. Uh, just for fun, because we like digging up these stats. So, uh, yeah, we do. Hope you enjoyed these for our November 18th, 2021 edition of... Um, how, well, how about you start this time? Yeah, how many... Um, I started during the season. How many how about that do you have? Cause I, I have, have one. Oh, I have, I think, 13. What the... Oh, my God. It's all, it's all award stuff. Oh, my God, dude. Okay. I was, I was like, yeah, prepare one. Oh, I didn't hear Jesus. that. It's like the scene in Moneyball where where uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt's like, <laughs> I know what you're referring to. Yeah, when Brad Pitt asks Jonah Hill to do like three like player evaluations for scouting, he's like, I did 54. <laughs> actually, I did 55. I don't know why I lied I to you there. You know, I actually did 17. How about that? So I don't know why I lied just there. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, go right ahead then. Jesus Christ, I didn't realize we were we were going this heavy. Yeah. Well. I gotta step my game up next no, week. No, you you created the segment. I just didn't see what your <laughs> vision of it was, but I figured, you know, for I thought it was the same way we'd all, we'd always do it, where you pick one, maybe two players to oh, highlight. Okay. Oh, I just have yeah, I just have like these filtered stats, so yeah. it's not gonna take that long. It's not like you know this guy since uh, June seventeenth. Yeah, has- no, like I, like my vision was like it's kind of a way to highlight the random things we find throughout the week. Okay, yeah. all right, there we go. All right. I'm I'm happy. Okay, now we know that. But uh, for my a very loaded edition of how about that? Uh, so for American League Rookie of the Year, Randy Rosarena was the victor, and we got a five filter stat alert. Uh, only rookie only rookie season ever with a 350 plus on base percentage, 20 plus home runs, 20 plus stolen bases, and 30 plus doubles. That's a five filter stat, and that is as we rhyme here a 
It's a five-filter stat, and it's a how about that. It's a five-filter stat, and how about that? Uh, Emmanuel Classe, who I believe should have been second place, who you believe should have won, but ended up in fifth place. He had the only rookie season ever with 60-plus innings pitched, an ERA of less than 1.3, and a FIP of less than 2.14. Jonathan India, who won Rookie of the Year, has an interesting how about that. It is the only rookie season ever with 70-plus walks and 22-plus hit-by-pitches. Always weird doing a hit-by-pitch how about that, but (laughs) that's all I really could find. Trevor Rogers, only rookie season ever. With 130-plus innings pitched, a 10-plus strikeout per nine, and an ERA-plus of 150 or better. I cited this. Um, so Diamond Digest put out like a like an like a Diamond Digest awards where it was like everyone at the at the website um, picks their awards, and they cited a few like reasons. And for I was cited in the uh, in the Trevor Rogers talk because he ended up winning diamond digest rookie mm-hmm. of the year for the national league and my reasoning was he had the only rookie season in baseball history with 150 era plus 10 plus strikeouts per nine and 0.5 or less walks per nine minimum 105 innings pitched he had 130 innings pitched so not exactly cherry picked oh 0.5 home runs per nine what i say walks oh oops yeah no that'd be insane that'd be pretty wild <laughs> that would be, be ridiculous it'd be a crime if he didn't win yeah rookie of the year uh American League Cy Young was the winner was Robbie Ray. He had one of two seasons ever with a 220 on base percentage against or lower with runners in scoring position and 11 plus strikeouts per nine with runners in scoring position. Uh, the other season was 2018 Jacob deGrom. Uh, I'm not going to give it a how about that because it wasn't an old, old <laughs> season. Uh, someone who I think got a few third place votes and maybe a second place vote was Liam Hendricks. No, he did not get a second-place vote. Okay, he got a third-place vote, at least. He had the only season in baseball history with 110-plus strikeouts and less than eight walks. Oh, my oh my God, dude. Um, I knew his walk numbers were insane, but I just look at the, the, the rate basis. That puts it into so much of a crazier perspective. Yeah, it, it was pretty wild. Uh, Corbin Burns, he had the only season, and this is – Completely uh, a fifth thing. Only season in baseball history with 230 plus strikeouts, less than 35 walks, and less than eight home runs allowed. That's how you get a 163 FIP in uh, the year 2021. Shohei Otani. I mean, it's weird doing how about that. (laughs) Yeah, that's not even, that seems like cheating. But also, it's like, I can't combine batting and pitching in these things. That's true. Like, this is exclusively one sided. This is only batting, which was like. You know, 60% of his season. Yeah. Uh, he had the only season by a player in their first four seasons with 45-plus home runs and 25-plus stolen bases. He has the only season in baseball history in the first four seasons with 45 home runs, 25 stolen bases, and 130 innings pitched. <laughs> yeah, that's it's true. Like, it's like when I say, like, Barry Bonds is the only player in baseball history with 760-plus home runs. And 30-plus doubles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Shohei Otani also, this was actually on uh, MLB.com, but I went to see it for myself. Or not MLB.com, but the MLB's Twitter. He had the only season in baseball history with 45-plus home runs, 25-plus stolen bases, and 5-plus triples. And then, you know, he had the 130 innings pitched and uh, 
3-1-80 ERA. Makes things a whole lot more interesting. Vlad Guerrero Jr., who will likely be the runner-up for American League MVP, uh, had the most home runs in a season by a player in their age 22 season or younger. And it is the only season by a player in their age 22 season or younger with 695-plus plate appearances and an OPS of 1,000 or higher. And then uh, as we get into National League MVP, Bryce Harper. Only This is actually kind of a weird one because the parameters are a little weird. Only season in baseball history with 35-plus home runs, 40-plus doubles, and 100-plus walks in less than 600 plate appearances. And then Juan Soto. Uh, only season by a player in their age 22 season or younger with 650-plus plate appearances and an on-base percentage above 460. Uh, so there's there's your if if you if you want to refer to this if someone's listening and want to refer to this for like you know this is why this guy won this award or this is why this guy was considered you have some fun how about that's for that you're insane thank you <laughs> <laughs> um, now I feel like an idiot for having one well I'm only gonna have one next episode yeah uh, um. Well, <laughs> that was awkward. <laughs> um, you gonna yell, us, yell at us about masks? That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> for for reference, some random uh, woman masked outside. So I'm assuming probably pretty stringent on the masks. Uh, walked up the ramp to try to get in the studio, but luckily that is locked, so we didn't get berated there. But uh, didn't even yell at us through the window. So you know. Dodged a bullet, <laughs> but yeah, whatever. Um, maybe she'll file a complaint or something. Um, but anyway, uh, your how about that? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do this every week. Obviously, <laughs> this, this was a one-time thing. For, okay. This was for awards. This was for yeah, awards yeah. because I figured, you know, I wanted some some cool things. Sure. To, for these 2021. I I almost wanted to have just no contacts in any of these. <laughs> uh. Anyway, that's what I'm talking about. Jazz Chisholm today. <laughs> Jazz Chisholm uh, obviously broke out early in the season and uh, one thing that really amazed me that I found is uh, on April 10th of this year he hit a home run off of Jacob deGrom he was the first person this year to hit a home run off of him and the pitch was a 100 mile an hour fastball it was out of the strike zone and he hit a home run and then later on May 18th he hit a home run off of Jose Alvarado the pitch was 105 miles an hour. It was out of the strike zone. He is the only person in the pitch tracking era to have multiple home runs, 100 plus miles an hour on the pitch speed, out of the strike zone. And the only other person that is listed to have ever done it was Travis Hafner in 2010 against Steven Strasburg. We don't have the video, but if you look at the pitch chart, the the ball is in the zone. Like it is, it's completely yeah. in the zone. Like it's not just on the like the corner or anything. Like that's a strike all yes. day. So uh, I'm considering it. Jazz Chisholm is the only player in the pitch tracking era and probably in baseball history to hit a home run on a 100-plus mile-an-hour fastball out of the strike zone, and he did it twice. That's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. That's pretty Quick hands. Yeah. Uh, wild. Yeah. That's, that is a good – that's a good note to end on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a stat that uh, I did not 
think I was going to be hearing today. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what I want with these offseason how about that. Yeah, I'm going to try to go in that trend next yeah. week instead of I know I pre- I appreciate you going all out for this one though. That was cool. Yeah, thank you and and thank you for providing some good Jazz Chisholm 100 mile an hour out of the strike zone home, home run statistics. All two of them for but us. Still all two in the last at least 13 14 years. Yes. And realistically probably ever. Right, right. Who else was doing that? Like maybe someone got one off Nolan Ryan, but I don't <laughs> yeah. know. We will we will never know. Yeah, I don't know. Like you know, Walter Johnson, he he threw 100, right? No. No. <laughs> Bob Feller? Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> um in those stadiums in the 50s where it was 550 to left. I don't know. I don't know if anyone got one. Yeah, no. Uh yeah, in um I forget what was the what was the Boston one? The Boston Grounds yeah. where the Braves played. Yep. Something like that. It was one of the virtual tours we took at the Hall of Fame <laughs> before the uh infamous Comiskey Park moment. <laughs> um <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh there was a lot of news this week, so definitely yeah. hope you enjoyed this one. If you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you next week at a still undesignated time, but it will be sometime next week where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball. Once again, see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.